Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you will be encouraged and empowered by this week's message and you would encounter God wherever you're listening from. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website ramp.church mcr or find us on social media. Now, let's go into this week's message. Father, thank you for every story, every testimony. Thank you, Father, that that those stories, all the glory belongs to you. Father, that these are stories of your goodness. These are stories of your work, of your grace, of your care and love for us. Father, they're not about a church or a name or a brand, Father, but they are about your kingdom, your will, your desires, finding their way through our hands and our hearts our yeses all around this room. We love you, Father. We give this next few minutes to you as we open your word and as we seek to be the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. And if you believe it, say amen. Um, I I just want to, the first thing I want to do is I just want to thank you, Ramp Community, um, for being a part of of this, this experiment we call Ramp Church, this adventure. Um, I, I'm genuinely grateful. It is one of the greatest honors of my life to journey with you. And I, I have way more questions than answers in this. And I'm, I, I don't know why God chose Stacy and I to, to, to be a part of leading this beautiful community, um, but I am just so grateful. And for me, I am, um, I, it's a treasure to get to journey with you in this. And for those of you that are part of the Ramp Church family, I look back, of course, at our journey. We're about to celebrate five years as a church, which is pretty cool. Uh, That's coming up in October. The first week of October will be five years. Um, But I'm so grateful, especially for the past two years, two and a half years. Anybody remember that thing called COVID? That That was pretty rough, eh? And lockdown and all that that meant um, for us as a faith family and the way you engaged online, the way you took your relationships into a digital space, your engagement with the word of God into a digital space, your, your expression of worship into a digital space. And I can say, and I've heard it from many of you, so I, so I know I can even repeat what you're saying, relationships grew deeper in that season. Our spirituality was enriched in that season because there was a cost associated with following Jesus, an increased cost associated with with maintaining and stewarding relationships. And any time you pay a higher price, you're going to get a greater reward. That's just how it is. You sow and you're going to reap. And so as you've sown into each other, uh, as you've sown into your, your, your faith family, I believe we are just beginning to reap some of the fruit of that investment. But for those of you who are new to Ramp Church, I also want to thank you for the courage to join, to to come to learn more. Um, If this space is about exploring faith, um, it's also about for those of you that feel like you've found something on the faith journey, then it's about discovery, and then it's about deepening that faith journey. So wherever you're at in that journey, I'm so glad you're, you're, you're here. 
And maybe the faith thing for you isn't a real thing yet. It's not a personal thing. You kind of feel like you're on the outside looking in. This is a safe space to do that. And I love the courage that you've shown to come into this space. I also love the courage for those of you who have come to be a part of a, a young church, a new church. Um, because maybe it's beautiful and passionate and, and, and life-giving and exciting, but it's also messy and chaotic. Because we don't have everything figured out yet. And there's policies and procedures that I wish we had, that we'll have someday. And there's systems of how do I get involved in volunteering and learning about pastoral care? And who do I even call when I have a need? I mean, I don't even, where is your website again? I mean, all of these things that, that you bump up against when you're in a new community. And it just takes a special kind of a person, I think, to come and sign up for that kind of experiment. And so I'm so grateful for you who are new to our faith family, or even those of some of you who have been with us for years who are still finding kind of that bumpy road of being a part of, of a church plant, something that's new and, and, and still developing. Um, because the last thing Stacy and I want to do is import some sort of a way to do church from what we're used to, from another nation, from another place, from our, our past experience. We want this to be real. Just like, just like Clay led us in, in worship. Oh, by the way, how awesome was Clay today, huh? Bro, powerful. Most of the time he's, he's running video or directing the band, but when he gets behind the microphone, I'm like, yes. We need more of that, more of that. Yeah. So, um, so it's like Clay led us this morning, and you know, I, I want to be the real thing. And that's my heart for us, Frank Church, is that we're the real thing. That, that we're not just acting this out. This isn't like a role that we play as Christians. But you know when you buy a piece of furniture, it says genuine wood. Yeah. It's like if, if, you, if you were to take a saw and cut that table down the middle, it's, you look in the middle and it looks exactly as it looks on the top. It's the same substance all the way through, right? And that's what I want it to be for us. It's the, the same substance all the way through. We're not pretending to be church on Sunday and then, well, Monday morning... Uh, ain't much church happening inside my heart. No, 24-7, we're the real thing. And so for me, that's a messy process. That's an organic process. That's not something we can teach you how to act like Christians and teach you Christian vocabulary words, but that's not going to change your life. There's no impact there. That's not genuine wood, that's a veneer. Are you tracking with me here on the metaphor? Yeah, so, so that's just something we learn how to be on the outside. But genuine change takes time. And I'm thankful for you. And I want to thank you for continuing to journey with us. We have a passion, I, I genuinely do, to make the organizational side of this just like a well-oiled machine, okay? Because I want it to be a structure that's, that's well-pleasing to God that's able to contain the promise. But the truth is we've outgrown our systems and we keep outgrowing them every couple months, it seems like. And now we decided in the middle of all that chaos, we're going to launch a new church in a different spot in, in, the, in the city, in Oxford Road. So, yeah, come on. I don't know if we're just gluttons for punishment, but it's like, you know what? We don't have enough chaos in our world. We'll go and create a new church to, to create more messes. But the truth is, sometimes that is the journey with God. He's not looking for people who have it all figured out. And he goes, yes, I won't call anybody else a Christian, but someone who has their life figured out. There they are. No, he likes to put his name on people who are in process. Anybody in process. Come on, me too. My hand's up for that one. But when we look, when we look through history, not, not just church history, but global history, you cannot take the story 
of what God has done through his people, you can't take that story out of history. And in university, when I, when I, when I, when I studied church history, when I, went through, you know, when I went through church history and studied this, there is, um, there is a, an aspect of church history called revival history. Have you heard that word, revival? There's an aspect of church history called revival history. And revival history is looking at times that were uniquely distinct in supernatural involvement in the lives of God's people, in the lives of the church, in the lives of whether that's the organized church or the disorganized church, people who called themselves Christians, people who followed the way of Jesus. And when we look at revival history, we see it, it's almost like a tide that comes in and goes out, right? Go, comes in and goes out. Now, Stacey and I's experience of beaches here in the UK has been a new experience for us. First of all, our image of a beach involves the sun. That's, that's like step one. So the first time I ever saw someone fully clothed at the beach was when I went to the beach in the UK. And they looked like they might as well have been going to the office. I mean, fully clothed, like, like I am now, but they're at the beach, because that's what the weather demands at the beach here. But the other thing, one, one experience, we, we, went to, we went to a beach somewhere on the west coast, okay, northwest of us, I don't remember which beach. And when we arrive, we show up at the beach, and, and, and we park right next to the beach, and then we walk out to the sand, and we expect to see the water. But there was no water. And we're like, well, I th the sign said beach parking, beachfront parking, you know, we're in the car park, I paid, you know, through the little app, um, and here I am, and there's no water. So we set off, coolers in hand, in search of the water. 25 minutes later, people who were so far away from, the sh from when I was on the shore that I couldn't even see them, we actually found the water. Not only that, so that we're like, finally, we're sweating, like the kids are like, Dad, when are we going to find the water? We finally get there. We set up, like, you know, we, it's like we had, like, uh, it's almost like we were moving house. You know what I mean? We, we, like, set up all of our food, blankets. We're setting up by the water. We're making um, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because we are American, even though we live here. So peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So we're making these sandwiches on the beach. We got the jelly and the peanut butter out, you know, knives. We're spreading. And we're sitting, and I look, and we'd been there about 10 minutes. And where we'd set up, it's like, I noticed the water's getting a little closer. <laughs> we're like, okay, this is interesting. Guys, I think the water's getting closer. We're like, okay, we'll just keep making sandwiches. And so we have bread out. We're, well, about five minutes later, the water is now touching our blanket. Well, we literally have half-made sandwiches in our hands. And our stuff's starting to get wet. So the kids are like this. We're like, oh, my goodness. So we start piling up all our stuff in our hands. Peanut butter, like, spread on a piece of bread like this. We gather, we move, I don't know, 20 yards uh, up, 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 and we set up again. We're like, okay, this, this should be good. 20 minutes later, uh-uh, it wasn't good. So we finally got the clue, and we hiked about, about, I don't know, 
three quarters of a mile back towards, <laughs> back towards town. And what, what is that? That's the tide. We didn't know. Someone didn't educate us before we got there. That's the tide that comes in and out. And revival history is much like that. God becomes unusually involved in, the, in, in his church. And then, and then that leaves an enduring, irrevocable mark on his people. And then for some reason, I can't explain all the ways of God. Hope that doesn't surprise you. His, his, his move, it comes back like the tide. And then what the Bible likes to call the remnant of God's people, the people who, regardless of whether God's moving or not, they remain faithful to the God of Scripture. They stay in the place of intercession, believing. This is an intercessor is one who stands in the place of, or stands, the, the picture says, they stand in between the circumstances that are and the reality that they know God desires or has planned. That's an intercessor. They stand between. Jesus, that's why the Bible, Hebrews would say, Jesus is making intercession now for us. He's standing between our current reality and the promise of all things being made new in all of creation. So us as the people of God, when the tide is out, it's our job to be people who believe the tide's coming. And we stand in that place and in the reality that we currently hold. Let me tell, let me tell you one story about a revival that's, that's, that's close, a little, little close to home here. And we could tell many because there are many revivals close to home. But the most famous is the Welsh Revival. You heard of the Welsh Revival. 1904, in southwest Wales, I've been to the church, Mariah Chapel. Uh, a quite small church there on the coast of Wales. There was a youth group, 17 kids in a youth group. And they were led by a young man called Evan Roberts. Have you heard of Evan Roberts? He was 26 years old, and um, the, the church didn't see fit that he could preach um, at that time in the main service. So they would let him lead the youth service, which happened after the meeting um, on, on an evening. So one, one Sunday night, he was meeting with a youth group in the building next to the main the main chapel, and he was leading 17 young people, and they start to declare, these young people, their allegiance to Jesus. I don't know how many young people you've been around, but that's not something that generally happens spontaneously. God was obviously doing something. And in that space were the beginning seeds of what would eventually turn into, through that little chapel, through that little experience, something where 150,000 people joined the church across Wales because of what happened in that place. Another 100,000 people, historians tell us, came to Wales to experience what God was doing and then went back out across the world. It then, uh, historians tell us, created dozens of other moves of God around, around the world, India, Korea, uh, California, different places around the world that, that, that people who had experienced the Welsh revival. Um, it was primarily a coal miner's town. Evan Roberts himself was a coal miner. And one journalist describes going 45 floors underneath the town 
um, down a coal mining shaft. And at the bottom, they found a revival service happening with coal miners by headlamps. They were praying in the coal mines. Now, coal miners were hard-working, hard-drinking people. And um, it didn't just change their prayer life. It so shifted their entire lives that it, it changed the infrastructure of the town. So pubs began to shut down because their appetite for alcohol waned, A, and B, their appetite to serve their families increased. So instead of spending money on alcohol, they decided they were going to feed their families. So it changed the fabric of the home. Because instead of, instead of supporting pubs, they started supporting their families, which enriched children's lives. So pubs shut down. The, 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 the journalists tell us that the pub owners would stand on the front and just offer for people to come in to get drinks for free. Because they were so needing people to come into their pubs. Magistrates had to change their schedules because crime, the crime rate started to plummet. Magistrates who held full-time schedules had to go to one or two days a week because they didn't have any crime to manage. This is revival. It started with young people, youth. Why do we have a passion for young people at Ramp Church? Because historically, revival almost always starts with young people. The next move of God is in your heart, young generation. Do you realize that? You carry it. It's in you. We're following us old folks. We're following, okay? We're stewarding. We're not squelching. We're not determining what happens. We're following what God wants to do through your life. But most people say it started in pockets, this revival, small prayer meetings. But what really took it global was a prayer that people who experienced the revival say Evan Roberts started to pray, the youth leader. He started to pray this. This is his prayer. If you've heard about the Welsh revival, you've heard this phrase. This is what he would pray. Bend me, God. Bend me. I'm so challenged by that prayer because I have, let me just speak for myself, I have such a desire to control. That most of, my, most of the time my prayer is this, bend them, God. <laughs> bend the church. Bend my friends. Bend my wife. Bend my kids. Bend my job. Bend my finances. Come on. Bend my circumstances, bend my city officials. But this is, this, is what took, this is what took the revival from a personal experience to something that shifted a city. Bend me, God. Something happens when we yield to what God wants to do, regardless of the way we like it. We've got to realize either I'm in control or God's in control. 
they can't coexist. You hearing me? This is revival. I believe that there is a church for every person in our city. Do you believe that? I believe the reason there's different types of churches is because there's different types of people. And I want every single person God's assigned us to have here at Ramp Church. But if, God, if God's called you to be a part of a different church, I, I want you to be a part of that church. I don't want to stand in the way of that. Your assignment's connected to them. Their assignment's connected to you. But for those of you who know this is my faith family, I want to talk about us for, 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 for a minute. We as a faith family, we are called, this is a part of our identity, this is part of our assignment, to contend to be intercessors for revival. I can't control the tide. That's God's job. But what I can do is I can be ready for the tide once it comes. You hearing me? So as a faith family, we have a unique assignment. For us, Oxford Road, which is coming in September, we're believing for 80 people to join the launch team of Oxford Road. That, isn't that an awesome dream? Right now we have 37 people who have signed up to be a part of that launch team. Oxford Road, it's gonna be a church, so if you're wondering, those of you wondering, is that a church? What is it? Is it a service? No, it is a separate church. So if you're a part of Oxford Road, that's your faith family, right? We're going to continue here on Sunday mornings because I believe God's put us here. I have a passion for this place, Sunday morning. Sunday night, 6 p.m., starting September 18th, we're launching there at Oxford Road. But the ramp is not just a local community. We believe there's a global movement going on. And this is something that's distinct about us. And we've got to, we've got to be able to steward what's distinct without making that ultimate. Does that make sense? We need others, we can see our distinctions, but it doesn't make us better than other people. Does that make sense? We serve the body of Christ in humility with our distinctions. So it's, it's, it's a strange tension. So for those of you who feel called to Ramp Church, we're a global, here's who we are, we're a global company of awakened hearts, passionately pursuing God's presence to establish His kingdom on earth. We're a global community of awakened hearts, passionately pursuing God's presence to see his kingdom established on earth. So we're not just one congregation, we're multiple congregations. So when Pastor Karen comes here and some people from our other, one of our other locations, we're all the same church. I, I love what some, pastor, what, what some pastors say, we're, we're, one, we're all one house, just different rooms. It's all, it's all the same. If, if, if they have a victory, we have a victory. If we have a victory, they have a victory. If they're going through hardship, we're going through hardship. Are you with me? We, we carry each other's burdens. Are we an American church? No. Are we a British church? No. I don't know what we are. <laughs> we're, we're, all, we're all of them. Does that make sense? We're, we're all the churches. All, everywhere God calls us to be, we are that and more. So yeah, are we American? Yes and no. Are we British? Yes and no. Does, it, does that make sense? We're, we're more than that. We are that, but we're more than that. And that's, that's a strange tension. It's hard to understand, but it's not, you don't always have to understand it. You just walk it out. But we're, we're, this, we're this global movement and a local expression all at the same time. So we work to build atmospheres for encountering God. It's huge for us. We, we, we work to create community content for equipping Jesus followers. We work to commission people, believer, for their cultural mission fields. But I just want to talk about three things that, that are important for us to understand in the next few minutes. Moving in, as we move into Oxford Road, and, and a conference. We also have a conference coming up in September. There's going to be a lot of people come over for the States, and 
um, it's like these two families, the two parts of the families um, coming together to steward this moment. Well, what does it mean for us as, as this local expression to be a part of this movement? I want to talk about three ways. Three ways. The first way is family. Say family. You see, one of the things I love about God, he says this in, in Psalms 68. That's what he says in Psalm 68 and verse 5, verse 5 and 6. Uh, God, 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 through revelation in Scripture, describes himself this way. He is a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. Is God in his holy dwelling? I love this. God sets the lonely in families. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? God sets the lonely in families. You see, if we, if we view what God wants to do through us, Ramp Church, as just uh, ensuring someone's eternal destination, we're missing the lonely and families bit. God doesn't just save the lonelies, right? He puts the lonely in families. Are you with me? Are you awake? So part of our role as a local community that's stewarding a global movement, that's stewarding something that God's doing that's beyond our local church family, that's beyond just the four walls of this church, that's beyond just our tradition, our denomination, that where we welcome other churches into conferences, into events, into worship nights, part of what that means is we have a, we have a faith family that God can put the lonely into. Does that make sense? You're tracking with me. Because for us, stewarding a movement is not about having an event. So when we come up to the conference in September, we don't view that as an event where we bring in, you know, all these guest speakers from around the world and it's a one-time thing and we hope people get inspired and then they move on. That's not the way we view this. Well, what we view it is there's a community of people. If you're here in this room, welcome to that community. There's a community of people, and we have a passion to steward revival, to steward the move of God, and then we just invite people into that story. People from other churches, people who aren't even believers, people from different backgrounds and, and, and ethnicities and nations, and we just, we just invite everybody into that story. We go, let's experience God together. We're doing this day in and day out. This isn't something we do once a year at our conference. We're living for God day in and day out. So the first thing is family. The second thing is faith. Say faith. In Mark chapter 5, there's a story where Jesus, there's a synagogue leader, which is a Jewish um, church, type of church leader, who comes up and says, hey, 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 Jesus. He falls at Jesus' feet and says, my daughter is dying. I need, you to, I need you to come help. Jesus responds to Jairus comes to his house. When he gets to Jairus' house, this is in Mark chapter 5, you can read about it, there's people wailing and mourning because that was the social thing that you did when someone died. Jesus walks in and everybody who was wailing and mourning, he says, why are you guys doing this? She's not dead, she's only asleep. They literally start laughing at Jesus, is what scripture says. All three uh, gospel accounts say they, they're laughing at Jesus. Jesus sends them away. He says, get out of here. And then he goes into the room with a select group of people. The girl's parents, Peter and John. What was he doing? Jesus was filling the room with faith. He was, he was, he was pushing all the pretenders out. If you guys can go from wailing to laughing in a half a second, you're not really wailing anyway. 
You're just here to fill a social role. I need people in the room who are on board with what I'm doing in this space. And Ramp Church, I believe there are, I believe there are moms and dads who are coming to the feet of Jesus on behalf of their dying young people. And Jesus is looking for people to fill the room with. I want to be first on his list. I want to be first on his list. When he's looking around at his disciples and going, who, who can come up there with me? Who, when they walk into that dead girl's room, they don't see a dead girl, they see a sleeping who has that kind of eyes of faith to see a generation that everyone else has written off, that everyone else throws statistics at, that everyone else says they have no hope, they have no destiny, there's no purpose there, look where they're going or not going, look at how disheveled their life is, look how distracted they are with technology and pornography and games, look at that. And he needs, he needs somebody to bring in the room with him where they don't see that diagnosis, they just go, oh, they're just sleeping. They're just sleeping. One touch from the presence of God, they're going to wake up. One touch from the presence of God, they're going to wake up. What happens when we open up, when we start to open up our hearts, our lives to a new location, a, 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 a conferences, worship nights, things that are way bigger than us, than our congregation? What are we doing? We're, we're Peter and John are walking in that room and going, God, I'm with you. They're not dead. They're just asleep. Come on, let's, you and I together, we can do this. Come on, we can do it. Let's pray. Let's see the generation awaken. What does he need in the room? Faith. Why, so why, why do we even have a ramp church if we also have conferences? Why, why, why is that a part of the, of the picture? Because Jesus needs faith in the room. He needs people who see what he sees. When we look at the next generation. He needs a family, he needs faith, and the third thing he needs is atmosphere. I love what Susanna just said that a little while. Say atmosphere. atmosphere. Do you know in Acts chapter 5, you know the story where Peter, Peter is walking to the temple every day, and there is something about Peter's life, this is what the, the eyewitnesses say, that they would actually come and lay sick people out on the street, that when Peter passed by, this is what Acts chapter 5 says, that his shadow would heal them. This is what eyewitnesses record. That his shadow would heal people. Do you know the Greek word for shadow there? It doesn't mean like a black space on the ground when the sun shines on you. It, a better translation is aura. The space around him was so charged with divine activity that things that were out of alignment with God's design came into alignment with God's design when they came into his atmosphere. Come on. There is an atmosphere that we're meant to steward as the people of God. I've been in places where that atmosphere is stewarded so well that when you walk onto the premises, the physical grounds, tears, I've seen tears come to people's eyes. And they go, I don't even know why I'm crying. I know why you're crying. You're breathing different air. You're breathing, there's an atmosphere, there's a charged atmosphere. I know that sounds mystical. I know that sounds mystical. But let's dive into that, <laughs> church. We're called to steward atmospheres. Do you have a couple more minutes? You sure? 
If you need to step out, I totally understand. I don't want your roast to burn, okay? I want to read a dream that Becky Ladrin sent me. And I'm going I'm to shorten some of it for time's sake. This was her dream. I had a dream I was outside what seemed like Aquinas College in Stockport. I was in a car full of intellectuals who had fallen away from God, and we were on the way to a ramp meeting. As I arrived, I was coming to a side door where there were seats, and the meeting seemed to be outside and inside and everywhere. That's the kind of meeting I want to be a part of. People are like, where's the stage? Oh, we don't know. The meeting's everywhere. I couldn't see a platform. I was in the car park with seats with different well-known worship leaders. Seated in front of me was Pastor Karen with a well-known church leader. The presence of God came in during worship into the meeting, and we, we caught the moment in little black boxes. We caught the moment in little black boxes. The little black boxes you get at a jewelry shop to carry rings, sign of covenant. We all had these boxes, and we're catching the moment and God's presence in these boxes. We all had one each, one black box each. The song, the, the song playing seemed to be a Hillsong song about giving your whole life to God, serving Him with everything. The moment seemed very light. The car park was flooded with this lightness, and the boxes were filled with this moment and seemed very light. The well-known church leader turned to Pastor Karen, Rebecca, and, and, and me, and said, never let this presence and these moments become light to you. These are heavy moments. Never let them become light. Never let any of this become light to you. He held the box that had the moment in it, and even though it seemed light and ordinary to us, he just said, never treat them like they were light. Just love that dream. I think it's an identifier for us on even how does this work. I think there's many levels of meaning of that, but one of the levels of meaning of that is this. There's something that happens when we gather together as the people of God. There's an atmosphere created that we're meant to then steward with our own personal commitment to God, our covenant to God. That ring box is a sign of covenant, covenant, right? You're my God and no other. And then I take that with me and I honor it. And what do I carry that moment into every other, every other facet of my life? I just have that moment with me at all times and I'm stewarding it. This is my little atmosphere. This is my little moment. This is what I carry. This is what I bring every day. When someone else needs a little part of that moment, here you go, I got, I got a little bit, there you go. That's my moment. I carry that atmosphere. And do you know what's going to change a generation? Not, not better preaching. Not better musicians. We have world-class preaching right now at the click of a button on YouTube. If, greater, if better communicators were going to save the next generation, it had been done. There's only one thing that's going to rescue the next generation. That is an encounter with the living God. Come on, Rancho. That is an encounter with the living God. And the reason why what we're called to do here at Ramp Church is distinct, it's different, it's unique. And the reason why the, this conference that we're looking towards in September is different and distinct and unique is because we're not inviting people to an event. We're not inviting people to come learn a couple things and leave encouraged. We're inviting people to come and experience an atmosphere that can only be described as
God was there. God himself was there, and he marked me, and I will never be the same again. That's what we're called to steward. And you know, that God's not obligated to do that, and he doesn't just do that because we have great branding, and we, and we, and we hire a venue, and we bring bands and speakers in. Do you see, that requires a people who day in, day out, we live this thing. We live accountable to each other. We're not perfect. Far from perfect. It'll take you about three and a half seconds to figure out how unperfect I am, okay? We're not perfect. We're just journeying in life. We're, we're doing it for real. We're studying scripture together. We're accountable to each other. Like Nikki, like Nikki said, there's an accountability. There's a journeying in life. There's prayer. So we're going to increase our prayer spaces in the coming months. We have, right now we have Monday prayer, Wednesday prayer, Sunday prayer. We're going we're gonna to increase some of those spaces and have more prayer throughout the week. Why? Because it requires the people who are communing with God, like breathing in and out. That's our, that's our life. That's our breath with God, breathing in and out, breathing in and out. So it requires the people who do that. And then when we do events, all we're doing is we're expanding the circle of that experience. But if we're not living it ourselves, let's not put the event on. hearing me. This is not a Christian PR campaign. God does not need my PR expertise. You with me? What this is, is people who are living it for real, creating an atmosphere, stewarding something real, and then inviting the world to come experience that air. Anybody up for that journey? Stand on your feet. Two things I want to pray for you today as we close. Thank you guys for your patience as we're looking at the time. Two things I want to pray for you today. The first thing is this. I want to pray for wisdom and revelation for you and for me. Paul, the early church leader, writes in the book of Ephesians, he writes a prayer. And in the prayer, this is what he prays, that we would have the spirit doesn't mean like a personal spirit. It means the essence, the reality of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. That's what he means. It comes off the page, comes off the page and becomes real inside my heart and mind. Hearing me? Wisdom and revelation. We're not going to understand all that God wants to do. If we confine what we emphasize or do based on our understanding, we will only ever experience what we understand. Does that make sense? Our experience will be limited to our understanding. Now, this is not an anti-understanding or anti-learning or anti-knowledge message. What I mean is this. We've got to continue pushing into what God has for us and and cry out that the spirit of wisdom and revelation come uh, along the journey. That we can see what God is wanting to do in this generation, in this city, through our church, in our lives. That our eyes are opened. Jesus says it like this throughout the book of Revelation. He who has an ear, let him hear. In other words, 
The words are coming in everybody's physical ears, but not everybody's really hearing. What's the difference? They have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. They have the ability to hear what's underneath the, the, the thing they're hearing. The actual truth, the guts of it all. That's the first thing I'm gonna pray for you. The second thing I'm gonna pray for you is this, that you have discernment for what God wants you to do. Say me. You have discernment for what God wants you to do. The New, the New Testament says this, carefully determine what God wants for you. Paul said it like this, I've brought glory to you, God, because I've finished the work you've given me to do. So here's, that's my second prayer. First prayer is wisdom and revelation. Second prayer is you discern what God wants you to do. Does that make sense? So I wanna pray over you, and then I'm just gonna create some space for us to respond to this word in your own way. There's no way I can know how this hit each of you individually, but you know, and I want you to come into this space where you're inviting God into that story. Father, thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We need it. We cry out to it, Father. And just repent where I've even exalted my own understanding, my own intellect, and I've tried to shove you in that box. Just invite you, Holy Spirit, to break open the boxes of my current understanding and the places I've put you in. And Father, we want to live in the place of divine revelation and divine wisdom, stepping out of our natural understanding where the, the, the where the, the eyes of our hearts are enlightened to see what transcends our everyday life and what intersects our everyday life. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation you're asking, Father. Second, I pray, Father, for, for the ability, for a spirit, the gift of discernment just across this room, Father, every single one of us, that we can see the part we have to play in this journey. Jesus' name. Let's sing together and then I'll close us out in prayer. Just a